0: Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. This week... I'm chatting with the Aces frontwoman Crystal Ramirez about her spark, Paramore's second studio album, Riot. As we all know, it's very fun for me when I can chat with people about stuff that really, really excites them and has a huge impact on their work, and that is very much the case with Crystal and uh, this album. It's a fun, bouncy little episode, if I do say so myself, so let's get cracking! Quick Crystal Facts. Crystal Ramirez is the lead vocalist and guitarist of the indie pop band The Aces. The seeds of the band started when Ramirez and her sister Elisa were preteens. The band solidified into its final lineup with the addition of McKenna Petty and Katie Henderson, and after releasing several EPs, their debut album When My Heart Felt Volcanic was released to great acclaim in 2018, their second album Under My Influence was released in 2020, and their brand new album I've Loved You For So Long came out in June of this year. Spanning 11 tracks, the record sees the band reflect on their childhood and unpack how their early experiences with closeted love and religious trauma have influenced their relationships, mental health, and identity in the present. Quick Riot facts. Riot is the second album by American rock band Paramore. The album was successful in the United States, reaching number 15 on the Billboard 200 and achieving triple platinum status. It was also certified platinum in the United Kingdom and gold in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. The lead single, Misery Business, is considered the band's breakthrough hit and is credited with introducing the band to a mainstream audience. And there you have it. We've done our homework, so now let's have some fun. Here comes my chat with Crystal Ramirez about Riot. Do you remember getting turned on to Riot or hearing it for the first time? Any of those memories?
3: Yeah, of course. I, when I was like, probably like 10 or 11 years old, I just had a a friend, like one of my best friends, was like, "Do you listen to Paramore?" And I was like, "No, what's Paramore?" She was like, "Oh my god, Paramore is the coolest band ever. You have to listen to Paramore." Because her older sister, who was like uh, fifteen or sixteen, was like obsessed with Paramore. <laughs> and so I was like, as soon as she's like, "You have to watch the Crush, Crush, Crush music video. Like that's you're going to be your jumping off point into Paramore." And so I remember like going downstairs, cause like when I was a kid, I was like ten years old. I was I mean, that like. Millennial Gen Z cusp of like when when I was a kid, like we still had like computer rooms.
2: Mm -hmm. We still
3: had a PC in the laptop, like a PC in the basement. You go down YouTube or play games or whatever. And so I remember going down and searching on YouTube and just like I remember that it's like imprinted on my brain. Watching that music video for the first time and hearing that song for the first time and like it just like changed. It like changed my entire world as like a 10, 11 year old. Um, so yeah, I remember it like really distinctly listening to to Crush 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 for Reverse Center.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, this is a band that I guess this is the case with most bands, that the visual style is, you know, a a, a part of the package. But Haley Williams in particular is just like the first time that you see her with that hair, just like everything about her and her stage presence, the way that she just like her attitude when she's singing and the in these videos in particular for this album. It's just like, yeah, I can understand how that would blow a 10-year-old's mind.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I was from I'm from a small suburb in Utah. And I was like really, really religious growing up. And so like that to me was like larger than life. Like seeing Paramore for the first time was like a window into the possibility of like, because I, I was just starting to kind of form our band as a kid with my sister. You know, I was like around that age where I think we started our band when I was like 10 or 11. And so that kind of was like the like the floodgates were open after seeing her as like, oh, this is a real possibility. Like, I want to be in the band. Like, I want to be like Haley Williams.
0: Right, right. And all, I mean, also the fact that all of them were so young, like Zach Farrow, when the band started like when they started recording it was like 13 or something so these were people who probably weren't that much older than you at the time so um you know i'd assume that makes it even more accessible that it's like wait a minute (laughs) these people are not too far ahead of me and if they're doing it then why can't i
1: yeah
3: 100 i think also there was no women really in rock and indie music at that time you know There was, I was, we were, a lot of the bands that were like surrounded and in the mainstream at the time, it was just like all men, all dudes, all young guys. And so coming from a small suburban religious town and being all women in a band, we felt like, you know, like we kind of just felt like aliens almost in a way. Like we sort of see someone like Kaylee Williams that was like such a strong presence on stage was like, oh yeah, that's it. You know, like that's what we want to be. And that was huge for me to see like a a woman on stage that was taking up space like that and was so insanely talented and was like, you know, a better singer and musician than like most most singers in general, regardless of gender, you know, and regardless of how you identify, like I would say that Hailey, I think is undeniably like one of the best vocalists of our generation. She's just absolutely insane. And so for me, I was like... Yeah, I think that representation of being a woman and being a woman in like rock and indie music was like I really needed that at a young age because I, I just didn't see that
0: right. And I, I, the comparisons that get thrown a lot around a lot when people talk about her it are to people like Avril Lavigne and Kelly Clarkson, who were like people who were around at the time, and it's like they were women who sang songs that had some kind of rock adjacent element to them but it's such a lazy comparison and it's like you know Avril Lavigne I would argue was a little more commercial and manufactured Kelly Clarkson for sure was manufactured I mean she came from American Idol so you know um, and I don't want to detract from either of them like they have you know produced fantastic music in their own lanes but this is a very different thing and this was like a young woman who not only had this incredible stage presence, was an incredible vocalist and musician, but a songwriter as well. And for somebody that young to have these lyrics coming out of her brain, it was like, you know, yet another thing that was pretty, pretty remarkable.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that I really kind of relate to, I think as as women, as queer people in general in music and we get compared all the time to, like, other um, all-female bands. And, like, I love other all-female bands. Like, I am a massive fan of Haim. I'm a massive fan of Muna. I'm a massive fan of, like, the Bengals and the Runaways and, like, those kind of incredible icons. And there's so many incredible bands, like, you know, uh, of, of, of queer people and, and of women coming up right now. But I do feel like when we first started coming up and even still... Like we immediately will just get compared to all other uh, female bands or or queer bands. Like they'll be like, oh my god, you sound just like so and so. Like oh my god, this is reminding me of this. And and there's something about that that's like kind of cheapening to, to to the whole to what to our all of our individualities, right? Because it's like, well, yeah, but like all female isn't a genre. You know what I mean? Like people talk to us like it's a genre of music. Like they'll say stuff like, oh, you know, I usually don't like all female bands and I really like you guys and I'm like I don't really even know what that like what do you what do you want me to say to that like I don't even know what to say to that and like that's first of all like an insult but it's like inherently misogynist and then secondly all female or like a queer band like that's not a genre of music like those that's just like a type of person in the world who could make any type of music do you know what I mean and so while I love to be I mean, I love to be in the presence of such incredible artists such as Muna, such as Heinz, such as Boy Genius, right? I'm not complaining about that because I deeply admire those artists. But I do think that we're very different. All of us are very different in a lot of ways. I think that there are tons of dude bands who sound literally identical to each other who would never even get compared to one another. Do you know what I mean? And wouldn't constantly be coming up. And I think the reason that this comes up as well as because of the, I mean, we can go down a rabbit hole in all of this, but you know, we do live in like a patriarchal society and a misogynist society. And so there's a scarcity mentality for a lot of women and a lot of um, queer musicians and stuff of like, oh, can there be, can there be more than us? Can there be more than one? Like, is their moment going to take for my moment? And like, that's just the thing that's like programmed in you as a musician is to be a musician of any kind is to be competitive with each other, you know, as an entertainer is to compete versus like, find community in one another and lift each other up. And and that's what in the Aces we've been trying to do is like uh, some of our best friends are in an all female, band, all female band out of Toronto called The Beaches. And we took them on tour and had them open for us all over North America last year. And like, we just put out a song with them. And I, you know, I think that we're trying our hardest to like, fuck. I don't know if I can swear on this. Sorry.
0: Please do. Please.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, just like, fuck. Suck all that. Like, I I think that we're conditioned to want to, we're conditioned to feel like we need to compete with each other. But the truth is, is like, there's power in numbers, there's power in movements, there's power in collaboration. And like, we are, I'm not, I'm just not fucking about that. I'm not about that. Like, I'm not about gatekeeping. I'm not about fucking holding uh, only space for me and my band and trying to be the biggest in that. I'm like, no, we're all individual people who have plenty to give to this world artistically. And we would be fucking a powerhouse in numbers together. So we should all be touring together. We should all be making songs together. You know, we should all be lifting each other up. You know, I think that there's so much power in that as a community.
0: Right. And, you know, it, it is homophobia, queerphobia, and misogyny are inextricably linked. So when you have that intersection, it's like people thinking of these Two groups of people that are very diverse groups of people. They're not, you know, queerness is not a monolith, neither is uh womanhood. And treating people like individuals takes more work and more investment from people who, perhaps, I'm speculating, are not that interested, or at least not that interested in. Finding those distinctions, and that it's both like, here's a marketing tool. We can say, it's a girl band or it's a queer band, and that's where we're going to find our audience. But it's also this kind of patronizing thing that's like separate, other. We don't need to differentiate between these things because they're all part of the same. It's all uh, of a piece. You don't need to worry about saying, Every band is as individual, regardless of what their background is, and you can find, um, you know, sonic similarities with bands. But you actually have to look for those things. It can't just be they look the same, they identify the same way, and that means they sound the same. They are the same.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: It's it's a pathetic way to uh, to look at the world, and like sad. It makes me. It's gross and it's sad. It makes me feel bad for people who. Can only see in those terms, hundred percent. And like you said, for you, it's like you don't see yourself that way. You don't see the other bands who you get compared to that way. And it just takes a little bit of brain power and creativity to kind of dig in just the tiniest bit to understand the the differences between the people. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's very very obvious differences,
3: right? One hundred percent.
0: Also, the thing that I find interesting about this album when. Not just Haley Williams, but the guy I can't remember what his name is, the guy who produced this album. Dave Bendith. Um, I read an interview with him where he was talking about misery business, and the band won't play that anymore um because haley williams like they they got a lot of shit for people saying that it was misogynistic and that it was like doing a lot of that work of kind of pitting women against each other and saying that when there's a problem between a man and woman in a straight couple that it's the woman's fault no matter what and yada, yada, yada and calling somebody a um, whore in the song. So Haley Williams, you know, publicly said she kind of denounces all of that and that she feels like, you know, as a feminist she doesn't want to support that kind of idea and I think she performed it with Billie Eilish at a festival and just omitted the word whore. But um, in kind of doing some research for this Even that, she was whatever, 16 when she wrote that song, and it was based on like a journal entry from a teenager because she was jealous that I think one of the she had a crush on one of the other band members, and he had a girlfriend, and she wrote the song about that. And at the time, when they were recording the song, she's like, I don't know that I want to say these things. I don't want this to be a representation of who I am. And it was the producer who was like, you said it, you say it, you said it, you sing it. That's, we're, we're putting it on the album, blah, blah,
3: blah. Well,
0: So just thinking about those kinds of things, like the nuances, not just in the way that bands are presented when they have a finished product, but in the work of putting an album together and the work of putting a band together, how many other influences in an industry like the music industry or any kind of entertainment where it's, you know, not the band in isolation. There are all these other forces trying to control things and manipulate things at the same time. I just thought that was interesting.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, I think this album is really interesting because like, you know, she did write, they wrote so young and uh, I was going to bring this up. It's like why Paramore continues to be one of my favorite bands is because of their evolution and, and continuing to grow in every regard. And I think I can only imagine, you know, from what I understand of Kaylee being signed and a pair being signed, you know, they were signed so young and they were signed to a major. And they're kids from like the South, you know, like Southern kids from the South. Uh, I mean, sorry, Christian kids from the South. And the culture down there, especially when you're like a 16 year old. I mean, the culture in Mormon, Utah, where I was from, was incredibly misogynist and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, the jealousy, the, Misogyny within women is very prevalent, uh, of competing. Um, and I can only imagine, also on top of it, you're signed to a major label, you're 16 years old, and they want shock factor. Of course they want you to say whore. You know what I mean? Like they, they want it to be, you're also in like the emo punk scene where, you know, it's, it's angsty and gritty and messy and fucked up and like you want to stand out, you know, and have something to say. And so I can only imagine the pressure of being that young and the pressure to perform and, and especially on like a major label and not being able to really develop and figure out who you are and being in the limelight from such a young age like that, you know, like the amount of things that we all do when we're like 16 years old that That we're like, like, holy fuck. I hope nobody ever, ever (laughs) like holds me to that statement or like, no, I was like, I don't I don't even know what the fuck I was at 16. I was like, yeah, who knows what I was saying, doing, and, and the things that, I mean, I know I was a completely different person. I was really religious. I was like, totally, I was not out. I was probably saying a bunch of dumb shit as a kid, you know, like as we all do. And so I think, the thing I love about Haley is like that continual like accountability being taken. I think that she did that beautifully with Misery Business. I know she kind of, I think she sings it again, but she took a long hiatus from singing that song. For that reason which i think is really uh like really cool of her you know but also it is one of their most famous songs and i think her coming back and maybe like switching out lyrics and changing it i went to go see them at the wiltern uh last halloween they had like a kind of just like a two nights only sort of thing here in los angeles The wiltern is like a smaller kind of intimate venue and she kind of gives like a bit of a speech before and kind of is like yeah like Obviously this is not how I feel. Like this is I don't like this is I, I don't like I wrote this when I was 16 years old and this song is like a song that's obviously important to the to the fans because it's literally probably the biggest Paramore song of all time, you know, outside of there's a few other contenders like still into you. But um but yeah, and I think Paramore as well has always been a band that's been very vocal about creating spaces, uh safe spaces for queer people for people of color, uh for any any type of of person. And that especially coming from the south and coming from like the hardcore scene in that way, like I think that that was really something that I grabbed onto super hard as a kid. Like I could feel that energy radiating from them, like Paramore was for everybody kind of thing, and and that community was for everybody. And so yeah, that's why they they still are to this day one of my favorite bands. I think that they're you know a force and a force for good in the in the world of like the music industry and the world of of fighting for human rights. I really do think that they're amazing that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that word, uh, or that phrase a force, thinking about you know, I just watched the video for Misery Business. So thinking about that because, you know, regardless of any qualms that she has about that song, it is a fucking banger. And like it is, you know, it's like absolute classic. But also from their visual standpoint, that video that's like taking the album cover and kind of putting the whole band inside of it. They're just like jumping around, going crazy. And the energy is like electric. I think, you know, the uh, Crush, Crush, Crush video as well. It's just very exciting. And, you know, you can kind of feel their enthusiasm coming through in the music. And sometimes with rock bands, I think it's people bouncing around, but being quite self-serious about it. <laughs> um, and this just feels like the, this, you know, joy coming off of them that um, makes you feel like, They're sharing the fun with you. It's not just about like trying to, you know, I mean, it is getting aggression out as well. You know, you can, you can, um, music can be a lot of things, but, um, that joy really is the thing that sticks out to me.
3: Absolutely. I mean, Paramore, their live performance, I actually was the first time I'd seen them loving them for like over 10 years was at the Wiltern this last year. And I just, I think that there are artists that you see once in a while where you see them on stage and you're just like, they were just undeniably born to do this like born for it born for it this is their purpose this is what they were meant to do um the energy of her and the band as a as a whole on stage to me was just kind of like spiritual almost like i don't even know how else to say that and and i really do believe like even outside of me being a major fan it, it even surprised me how like palpable that energy was of just like this pure. Talent, this pure joy, this like radiance, like everyone in the crowd was just like elated in this way that I've honestly like rarely been a part of, and I am a full time musician, this is what I do for a living. you know, I go to show after show after festival after festival, I see every type of artist in the world, I see so many sets, um and that was even outside of just being one of my favorite bands, like one of the best, most joyful shows I've been to in my entire life, like it was just. I, it's no, it's not a mystery why Paramore has been, uh, is now seen and, and as complete like icons of our generation. But like, also has been around and consistently making great music and consistently playing shows and growing for over a decade now. Like, it's not, it's not a mystery at all.
0: Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back.
3: But yeah, it just, it's not a mystery to me at all, you know, and it, it never has been, but even more so when you see them live, you know, you wow. just realize like, whoa, this is just, this was really, it is their purpose, you know, they're very much in their purpose. And I think that that's why so many people just like adore that band.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I, I think with artistry in general, to me, you can, get better. You can learn, you know, how to play an instrument. You can learn how to use your voice in a certain way, but there are things about artistry that are just innate that you are born with that, um, you know, are, it's just a a part of who you are. And with her, that's so apparent to me again, because she was so young when they started out and, there's a lot of discourse about her being wise beyond her years in terms of her like lyrical complexity and the way she structures songs and all those things. And thinking about somebody being a teenager writing the songs on this album, and you know, pe- people talk about her just being extremely well read and just being absorbed in literature constantly and picking up uh, you know different turns of phrase and you know, uh, stylistic elements and whatever, and just using all this knowledge that she's had um, in such a short period of time, in such a, a, a young life to create this music. Also, I think they were homeschooled. Like they didn't have much contact with other kids. I think the Pharaoh brothers met... Haley in some kind of like homeschool meetup for like kids who are all homeschooled so they can socialize a little bit. So that kind of thing where they didn't have much contact with other people their age. And then we're really young and going on tour and we're like homeschooled in the back of a van by their mom and like those kinds of things that all of that to me, it's so fascinating to have somebody be able to be this like worldly when a lot of kind of normal social, I mean, normal social interaction and, and the way that most people grow up was not part of her experience. Um, I guess that's about 50 thoughts in in one long paragraph, but you get what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, they, I, yeah, I would assume they were probably homeschooled just because of how young she was signed. I think she was signed, she's like 14 or 15. And I think she was signed, they wanted to just sign mm-hmm. her yeah. as like a artist. Because they they saw her as kind of like the next Avril or like the current the, the, another Avril kind of thing, and she was just like, no, like I want to be in a band. Like you can sign me, but like I'm only signing if I can sign with my band. And so that's how I I I read that it, it kind of went. But yeah, I mean, I think it, like the combination of of being well read and studying art, and then also just having that like you know uh, universe given universal talent is just like can clearly you see what like that's created which is this like incredible band
0: yeah and just like a very curious mind a very open mind and you can see that in the evolution of the band that she's always trying to explore new genres new musical forms do different things with the band so that it's not Like each album kind of builds on the last.
3: Yeah. I mean, I would say Riot is like not even like my favorite Paramore album. I think it's, I think it's maybe one of the most influential for me is like the beginning of my artistic endeavors is like a a tween teenager. But like Paramore, I I mean, like I'm a fan of everything they do. Like I just think everything that they do, everything that they put out is like better than the last. Like, it's a step in a new direction. It's more interesting. It's more evolved. It's more matured. It's more refined. And that's the thing, like, for me as well, is they're such a kind of testament to, like, honing your craft and, like, having a, career, like, a lo- like, longevity. It was in a music career. I think that the only artists we see nowadays are, like, people that explode on the first song they ever put out. And a lot of those people never follow up with anything that, has quite the magnitude that their first project had, right? And that that's really highlighted as an artist. Like, I think the music industry, it's really, there's so much pressure on you to be young and to, it, to succeed on, like, literally the first note that comes out of your mouth, like, for it to go viral. And I think with Paramore, what I've loved watching is just, like, the evolution of their career. Like, they are truly the definition of a career artist. And that's something that I really aspire to be with my band and the aces and i aspire for us to be is, a, is career artists like i hope that the best of my career is very much for me to to work toward you know i think when i was younger i would have said something different i think when i was like 19 i would have been like oh i want to be huge right now you know i want to be like the biggest man in the world right this second and now as like a 27 turning 28 year old this year i'm like oh my god i'm so happy that didn't happen Like, I'm so happy that the 19 year old me wasn't like on spectacle for everyone in the planet to like have comments about, you know, I'm so grateful to grow in my artistry. I'm so grateful to be looking forward, you know, to be working my third record right now. And I can't wait for my fourth record, my fifth record. I, for me, this is just like a lifestyle. This is just what I do. Like, I don't, I don't do, this is just like, I don't know what else to do with myself besides like write songs, make music. Like I would do this regardless or not, if it was, if it was something I made a career out of, I would be a create, a creative, I would be doing something. And so I think that that's why I love Paramore so much is because they are very much that as well. I think like, they didn't, I think they won a Grammy on like their fourth album, their fourth, fifth album was like for ain't it fun was like the first like big award album for them. But like, I think the steps, How it should be. I think that you should be building your career up and ready for those moments, you know, ready for to receive that kind of acclaim and to get that kind of attention on you because you've been taking it in stride. And I think that that's why they've all, you know, I, our management's based out of Nashville and are friends with a few of the members of the band. and, And I only ever hear really great things about that band that they're super humble and they're really nice and they're very down to earth they all just like live in Tennessee and do their thing and you know uh tour hard but like are pretty recluse when they're home and just normal people but so incredibly talented and so much in their purpose and that's really like to me like they have like the most admirable career they have a career that I would I would only dream of of having is kind of like a beautiful like obviously um Riot and that really is what like shot them up to be able to start having that success. But like it was a growth. Like if you look at Paramore now in the kind of music like the record that they just put out versus like riots. Like there's so much evolution between all that. There's been so much exploration of self with with Haley and the band and everything. Like there's I just yeah I just look up to their career so much for that reason because it's so full of growth and and so full of yeah just like exploration.
0: And doing all of that in the face of what I assume is enormous pressure from the record company to not evolve and not change and to get like, oh, we found a formula, stick to that. We just want to do the same thing because that's what the kids want. That's what's selling records. So just keep doing it. And instead, you know, I guess the more successful they get, the more leeway they have to be able to kind of dictate terms for themselves, I would imagine again, but like an album like after laughter where it's that felt to me like a really sharp turn in a different direction and it's you know still great it pays off it's not like uh, a country band trying to make a metal album that just they don't know what they're doing and it's uh, you know completely wrong headed this is like experimenting with different sounds, but having a really clear vision of how to make that happen and executing it in just the same, uh, with the same level of like professionalism and artistry as everything else they've ever done.
3: Yeah. I think, I mean, absolutely. is one of my favorite albums, that, uh, like probably in top two for me, I love the album so much. I think the album is like, that's, it's been so remarkable with Paramore in my opinion is like, they the way that they have evolved past even just even like the emo punk scene i think that very few bands have been able to do it the way that they've done it i think there were a lot of bands from that era that like just have you know kind of with that when that movement kind of fell out they also did they weren't able to really evolve past and they had those core fan bases of that moment right of that time and they always because that that movement in that moment was so special the emo punk movement but I would say Paramore is maybe one of the only that have been able to evolve past that into exploring other genres while still maintaining the sense of identity. You know, like if you listen to After Laughter, like it's such a Paramore album. It's not like this thing that they're just trying on because they they wanted to make something different. It's like, no, it's like it's it's like that voice. It's that it's that that sound like there's it's just still so Paramore like it's so obviously a Paramore album to me. You know what I mean? Even though it is not really reminiscent whatsoever of like a riot. Um, it's way softer, it's way more like new wave, it's way more like um like kind of beach beachy at times, like, but it's still so very much preserving of their identity as artists, spe- specifically of like Haley's lyricism and voice. And so I think that, yeah, like I, I think when you have really something to say and you have a purpose in the arts, like you're able to genre bend and still be yourself. I think you also see that with someone that I think does that really well is like Post Malone. I think Post Malone is incredible for genre bending, but it's still always him because it's like it's like him. You know what I mean? He has such a strong identity, such a such a presence, such a sense of self. And I think Haley has has that as well. It doesn't matter what she sings, like it's always going to be her because it's her.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh I think that is a lovely note uh on which to finish. Um this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for uh, making time for me.
3: Awesome, yeah, no, thank you. I could definitely just talk about this, so I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, well, thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate this. Uh, take
3: care. Of course, thanks so much, Adam.
0: Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Crystal for chatting with me. The new Aces album, "I've Loved You for So Long," is out right now. Okay, quick spark of the week from me. I went to Sonic Sphere at The Shed in Hudson Yards. Do any of those words mean anything to you? Uh, Hudson Yards is a neighborhood in New York. The Shed is a giant arts venue there. And Sonic Sphere is the thing I went to, which is, as the name suggests, a giant sphere that you sit in and listen to music. Um, They had a few different programs to choose from with music from different artists, but when I went to see it, they played the first album by the XX. That's an album and a band I love. So it was great to listen to it because I hadn't heard it in a while. But yeah, you climb up a bunch of stairs and get into this giant sphere with seating all over the bottom half of it, and the album just gets played along to a light show. It kind of had planetarium vibes, and it was very fun. Very relaxing and just a nice, chilled way to spend an hour on a Sunday. So you should go, but you can't because it's finished. Sucks to be you. Anyway, that's about it from me this week. Please remember to follow me on social media at Spark Parade. Put a little reminder in your calendar so you don't forget. And I hope you find something fun and relaxing to do this week, even though you can't go to Sonic Sphere anymore. Sorry about that.